When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to the Flowered Path. On this episode, I'll be covering the life of St. Benedict. But before we get to the show, I want to thank new patron Felix Garnet Simister. Patrons and donations help me continue to make the Flowered Path and bring you more content. All patrons get regular episodes of the Flowered Path ad-free, often before they drop on the regular podcast feed. Rose and Orchid Tier patrons also get shout-outs on the show and extra content, including the occasional extra episode. Orchid Tier patrons get monthly merch mailings as well. To check out all of the patron options and benefits, and to help me to continue to make The Flowered Path, go to patreon.com slash thefloweredpath. You can also find a PayPal link if you want to make a one-time donation just click the support button at thefloweredpath.com and look for the PayPal button that says Donate. Okay, before I get to St. Benedict, let's check the news. The path to sainthood is rarely an easy one to tread. The process of canonization is complicated, but a large stumbling block for those seeking the venerable or servants of God progression to sainthood is financial in nature. The cost to dutifully execute the research, ceremony, and canonization of a potential saint can easily climb into the millions of dollars. 
smaller American dioceses often lack the funds for this process and often have to join forces to promote one individual rather than all who are thought worthy of sainthood. There are only 15 American saints, though dozens are considered venerable or servants of God. Of the 15, only one is an indigenous American, St. Kateri Tekawitha. The Social Justice Committee of the St. Anne Catholic Church in Baltimore, Maryland, has raised concerns that these financial roadblocks unfairly exclude African and indigenous Americans from the canonization process. Six black American Catholics, with causes underway, have waited a combined 720 years for sainthood. Parishioners point out that black Catholics do not have a canonized role model and that the cost of canonization effectively creates a new poll tax. Indigenous Americans face similar challenges, and while many converted to Catholicism and were martyred for their faith, their sacrifice is rarely recognized. The cause for black elk, the Lakota holy man turned Catholic, has been financially assisted by the Knights of Columbus, though funds are still lacking. The process of canonization should be arduous, but the financial obstacles may be preventing worthy candidates from being recognized. While the Vatican does maintain a fund for poor cases, the resources are not enough to advocate for all. The New York City Department of Transportation has named a new 4,500-passenger Staten Island ferry after Dorothy Day, a celebrated 20th century peace activist and co-founder of the Catholic Worker Movement. It was on a beach in 1927 on the south shore of Staten Island that Day had a religious awakening, which eventually led to her conversion to Catholicism. For the final decade of her life, Day lived in a Staten Island beach bungalow. She would have ridden a ferry regularly as a resident of the area. Dorothy Day is remembered today as an American journalist, outspoken social justice advocate, and editor of the Catholic Worker newspaper starting in 1933 until her death in 1980. In March of 2000, the Archdiocese of New York was granted permission to open her calls for canonization by Pope John Paul II. Pope Francis has described her as one of four exemplary Americans who built a better future. Currently, the Church refers to her with the title Servant of God. On Thursday, May 11th, Pope Francis added 21 new names to the Roman Martyrology, an official list of saints and blesseds who are recognized in the Catholic Church and celebrated at Mass throughout the year. The move was announced during a visit to Rome by Pope Tawadrus II, the head of the Coptic Orthodox Church of Alexandria. Pope Francis has said that it is a sign of the spiritual communion that unites our two churches. All 21 individuals were migrant construction workers who were taken captive and executed by ISIS militants in 2015. Twenty of the men were from Egypt, originally, and were part of the Coptic Orthodox Church. Very little is known about the 21st man, Matthew Ayariga, except that he is believed to have come from Ghana and is likely from a Protestant or Roman Catholic background. It has been reported that when ISIS militants promised Ayariga that he would be freed if he disavowed the faith of his companions, 
He simply replied, Their God is my God. The story became international news when a video of the killings was published online, and within weeks the men were formally recognized as saints within the Coptic Orthodox Church. In 2018, the bodies of the 20 Egyptian men were repatriated and laid to rest in a special shrine dedicated to their memory. The following year, the families asked for Ayariga's remains to be transferred to Egypt as well, and in March of 2020, he was reburied at the shrine alongside his companions. The inclusion of these names in the Roman martyrology is remarkable for several reasons. Primarily because the Coptic Orthodox Church is not considered to be in full communion with Rome. The split between the two traditions goes back 15 centuries, but in recent years, leaders on both sides have made mutual efforts to build a closer relationship. In 2017, the two popes issued a joint statement recognizing the validity of baptism in both churches. The addition to the martyrology is also unique because it did not follow a typical canonization process. Pope Francis has pledged to build a special altar for the relics of the 21 martyrs, which had been brought to Rome and gifted to the church in recognition of the occasion. On July 20, 1944, Sodolo, Italy was the unfortunate target of Operation Wallenstein, a series of Nazi-led partisan roundups. During this raid, a young priest, Father Giuseppe Biotti, refused to abandon his station despite multiple threats to his life. As long as there is a soul to care for, I stay in my place, Biotti is remembered as saying. Biotti felt called to the priesthood from a young age, and despite losing his father to World War I and growing up nearly destitute, he managed to attend seminary in northern Italy. At the age of 25, he was ordained a priest and was stationed in the small town of Sidolo, Italy. Known for his generosity to the poor, Biotti often gave away any extra clothes or money and would help anyone in need. During World War II, his home was a refuge for Jews, wounded soldiers, and partisans alike. Refusing to leave his charges to save himself, Biotti was killed while holding his bravery and making the sign of the cross, along with another priest and six other souls. He was just one month shy of his 32nd birthday. Pope Francis approved his beatification and advanced the cause of eight other men and women on Saturday, May 20th. On May 18, 2023, a group of nuns in Gower, Missouri prepared to transfer the body of Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster, the founder of their community, from the convent graveyard to a final resting place in their chapel. The sisters were surprised to discover that Wilhelmina's exhumed remains were remarkably well-preserved, with few signs of decomposition, even though her body was never embalmed, had been buried for almost four years, and was exposed to moisture and mold for much of that time due to a crack in the coffin. It's also notable that her habit, made of natural fibers, was in excellent condition along with her veil, crucifix, and rosary. Word has quickly spread of the seemingly miraculous findings. In recent days, hundreds of pilgrims have made the journey to view, touch, and pray over Sister Wilhelmina's body, which has been on display at the convent. The Diocese of Kansas City, 
St. Joseph, has released a statement on the matter, emphasizing the importance of protecting the integrity of Wilhelmina's remains in order to allow for a thorough investigation and emphasizing that a cause for her sainthood has not been initiated. Thus she is not to be venerated as a saint at this time. As of May 29th, Wilhelmina's body will be placed in a glass shrine at the convent chapel. Visitors will still be able to view the body, touch remnants of her habit, and take dirt from her grave. Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster was 95 years old when she passed away May 29, 2019, on the vigil of the Solemnity of the Ascension. A great-granddaughter of the enslaved, she was raised in the Catholic Church and had her heart set on becoming a nun by the time she was 13 years old. She took her vows just two and a half years after graduating high school. Her decades of service to the church include teaching, writing poetry, and collaborating on musical compositions, and, at the age of 70, founding the Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, a primary contemplative order. The Sisters of Mary went on to become globally known and celebrated for their beautiful recordings of Gregorian chant and Catholic hymns. Sister Wilhelmina was especially devoted to the Latin Mass and to the traditional version of the nun's habit, which occasionally drew reaction and commentary from other sisters. Many articles and anecdotes describe her as uniquely determined to live according to the highest standards of discipline for religious life, and she is said to have occasionally quipped, I am Sister Wilhelmina. I've a hell of a will, and I mean it. Catholic News Agency reported that Jack Klein, owner of Hicks and Klein Funeral Home in Gower, Missouri, issued Sister Wilhelmina's death certificate and attended her burial. Klein confirmed that the sister's body was not embalmed, and likewise that her wooden coffin had no outer container or concrete vault placed around it. CNA further quoted David Hess, a program director and associate professor of mortuary science at Salt Lake Community College, who said, If the body was not embalmed, and it was still intact after four years, that one kind of throws me. I would have expected the body to be decomposed, maybe not all the way down to the bone, but at least severely decomposed. Visitors have noted that there is no smell of decomposition associated with Sister Wilhelmina's body. Some have even reported the smell of flowers around her remains. David Hess continued, It's kind of strange if the body was not embalmed, that there would be no odor. Barry Lease, president and CEO of the Pittsburgh Institute of Mortuary Science, was quoted by CNA saying, An unembalmed body in the ground for four years should have some odor coming off of it that would be noticeable. Lease continued, If you're telling me that this woman went into the ground, unembalmed, in a wooden box, with no outer container, and it was not sub-zero up in Alaska, I'm telling you I'm going to start a devotion to this sister because there's something special going on there. While incorrupt bodies are not a requirement for sainthood and do not meet the conditions for miracles attributed to an elected saint, they are considered a potential sign of holiness. There are over 100 known saints with remarkably preserved remains, known as the Incorruptibles. I will delve more into the Incorruptibles in a future episode.
Saint Benedict is believed to have been born in Norcia with his twin sister Scholastica in the year 480. He was the son of a Roman noble. In his youth, he was sent away with his nurse to continue his education. He saw his fellow students, privileged in wealth and education, spend their time chasing pleasures, not seeking the truth. He watched them squander their lives on various vices. Fearing for his own soul, he left Rome for a remote village and eventually found himself living as a hermit under the instruction of another hermit named Romanus. The following account of St. Benedict's life was taken from the Golden Legend. St. Benedict was born in the province of Nursia and was sent to Rome to study, but in his youth he left the schools and went into a desert, and his nurse, who tenderly loved him, went with him till they came to a place named Aside. There she borrowed a vessel in which to winnow wheat, but the vessel fell to the earth and was broken in two. When Benedict saw his nurse weep, he had great pity and prayed to God. Afterward, the vessel was found as whole as it had been before. The people of that region took it and hung it on the front of the church as a witness to the miracle. Benedict then left his nurse, fled in secret, and came to a hermitage in a pit. No one knew Benedict's location except a monk named Romain, who provided him with meals. Because there was no way from the monastery where Romain dwelt into the pit where Benedict was, Romain tied loaves of bread to a cord and lowered them down to him. A bell was tied to the food so Benedict could hear when the bread arrived. The devil, envious of the charity of the monk and the holiness of Benedict, threw a stone and broke the bell. But nevertheless, Romain continued to bring meals to Benedict. It happened that there was a priest on Easter Day that had set his dinner for himself, and our Lord appeared to him and said, You provide for yourself delicious meats, and my servant dies from hunger in a pit. Then the Lord told him Benedict's location. The priest arose and took his meal with him, and sought until he found Benedict in great pain. When he had found him, he said, Arise and take your meat and refreshment, for it is Easter Day. He answered, I know well that it is the feast of Easter, because I see you. The priest said to him, Certainly, this is the day of Easter. Then they said grace, blessed the food, and ate together. After this, a blackbird came to Benedict and pecked at his face. This aggravated and annoyed him so much that he could get no rest, and he could not drive it away. However, as soon as he made the sign of the cross, the bird vanished. After that came a great temptation of the flesh, by which the devil tempted Benedict by showing him a woman. He burnt with temptation for some time, but eventually he came to himself. Then he went naked among the thorns and nettles, so that his body was torn and pained. By this method, he healed the wounds of his heart. After that time, he no longer felt temptation of the flesh. 
the abbot of a nearby monastery died. The monks of this abbey elected Benedict as their abbot, due to his good reputation. Benedict refused at first, saying that his conditions were not in accordance with theirs. Eventually, Benedict was convinced and agreed to serve as the abbot. However, Benedict noticed that the monks were not living in a way suitable for the religious. He reproved and corrected them vigorously. When they saw that they could no longer do whatever they wished under Benedict, they conspired to poison him. They gave Benedict venom mixed with wine to drink, but he made the sign of the cross over it and blessed it, and the cup broke into pieces. Then Benedict knew that the wine was poison. He stood up and said, God have mercy on you, you fair brethren. I said to you at the beginning that my conditions and ways were not like yours. Now get another father, for I may no longer dwell here. Then he went again into the desert, where God showed him many signs and miracles. Benedict founded two abbeys there. In one of these two abbeys there was a monk that could not endure long prayers. When his brother monks were in prayer, he would leave the church. The abbot told this to Benedict, and so he went to see if it were true. When he came, he observed that the devil, in the likeness of a small child, pulled the monk out of the church by his cow. Benedict asked the abbot and Morris, who was Benedict's first disciple, Do you see the child that draws him out? They said no. Benedict replied, Let us pray to God that we may see him. After praying, Morris saw the child, but the abbot still could not see him. The next day, Benedict took a rod and beat the monk, and afterwards he abided in prayer, like the devil had been beaten in his place. The devil dared not come again to draw the monk away, and from that point he no longer left during prayer. Of the twelve abbeys that Benedict founded, three of them stood high on rocks, so that water could only be brought there with great labor. The monks came to Benedict and asked that he would set these abbeys in some other place, because they had a great deficit of water. Then Benedict went about the mountain and prayed devoutly. After praying for a long time, he saw three stones in one place and took it for a sign. In the morning, when the monks came to pray, he said to them, Go to this place where you shall find three stones, and there dig a little, and you shall find water. Our Lord can well provide water. And they went and found the mountain sweating where the three stones were, and there they dug and found water, so great in abundance that it filled their needs, and ran down from the top of the hill into the valley below. Once a man was cutting bushes and thorns around the monastery, and his axe head flew off the handle and fell into deep water. The man cried at the loss of his tool. Benedict saw that he was anguished, took the handle, and threw it into the water. The axe head seemed to swim up to the handle and reset itself, making the tool as good as new. In the Abbey of Benedict was a child named Placidus, who went to the river to draw water. He slipped and fell into the deep river and was carried off. Though Benedict was in his study, he called out to Morris and said that there was a child who was about to be drowned and asked Morris to help. Morris ran upon the water as if it were dry ground and took up the child by the hair 
carrying him to land. Afterwards, Morris said to Benedict that he had done this not by his merit, but by the virtue of his obedience. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. There was a priest named Florentin who was jealous of Benedict, and he sent Benedict a loaf of poisoned bread. When Benedict received this loaf, he knew, by holy inspiration, that it was tainted. He gave it to a raven that often took food from Benedict's hand and commanded the bird to carry it to a place where no man could find it. The raven pretended to obey the command of Benedict, but he dared not touch the bread for fear of the poison and flew about it, howling and crying. Benedict said to him, Take this bread and bear it away. At last the raven took it away, and it was never seen again. Their bird came back three days later and took his food from Benedict's hand, as he had before. When Florentin saw that he could not slay Benedict, he tried instead to slay the souls of Benedict's disciples. He took seven maidens, all naked, and sent them into the garden to dance and sing, to tempt the monks. When Benedict saw the malice of Florentin, he had fear for his disciples and sent them away. When Florentin saw that Benedict and his monks departed, he celebrated and prepared a great feast, but the room above collapsed upon him, killing the priest. When Morris learned that Florentin was dead, he ran after Benedict and called to him, saying, Come back! for Florentin, who has done so much harm to you, is dead. When Benedict heard this, he was sorry for the perilous death of Florentin, and because Morris seemed glad at the death of his enemy, Benedict assigned penance to his disciple. After this, Benedict went to Monte Cassino, where he faced another great adversary. There, in the place where there was a temple to Apollo previously, Benedict built an oratory dedicated to St. John the Baptist, and converted all the people around that place to the Christian faith. Because of this, the devil was so tormented that he appeared to Benedict, all black, and ran at him with open mouth and throat and eyes of flame, and called to him, Benedict, Benedict. But Benedict did not answer. The devil said, Cursed and not blessed, why have I so much persecution? There was a stone needed for a building project, which none of the monks could move. A great multitude of people gathered, and they could not lift the stone. However, as soon as Benedict had blessed it, they lifted it with ease. 
They saw then that the devil sat upon the rock and caused it to be so heavy. When the monks had proceeded a bit more with the construction, the devil appeared to Benedict and asked him to go see their work. Then Benedict sent the monks a message, telling them to be safe, for the devil sought to harm them. But soon a messenger came, saying the devil had thrown down a part of the wall and had slain a young monk. The monk was brought in a sack to Benedict, for he had been crushed to pieces. Benedict made the sign of the cross over him and blessed him, and the monk was raised to life and sent back to work. The king of the Goths wanted to test if Benedict had the spirit of prophecy, so he sent his servant, dressed in precious robes and with a great retinue as if he was the king himself. When Benedict saw him, he said, Fair son, remove those robes, for they are not yours. The man fell to the ground, dead. A seminarian that was possessed by the devil was brought to Benedict to be healed. Benedict cast out the devil, and afterwards said to him, Go, and from now on eat no more flesh. Do not become a clergyman, for the day you take your vows, the devil shall come back into you. The seminarian went for a long time doing as Benedict said, until at last he saw men younger than himself taking the vows. He forgot Benedict's warning and took the vows. Soon after, the devil entered into his body and tormented him until he died. Once a man sent Benedict two flagons of wine, but the man that was delivering them hid one flagon and presented only one to Benedict. When Benedict received the gift, he thanked the courier much and said to him, Fair brother, take heed what you do with which you have hidden. Do not drink it, for you do not know what is inside. The courier was ashamed and confused, and when he came to the place where he had hidden the wine, he thought about what Benedict had told him, so he poured a little from the flagon, and a serpent came out with the wine. Once Benedict was eating, and a young monk, who was the son of a great lord, was holding a candle so that Benedict could see. The young monk began to think in his heart, Who is this that I serve? I am the son of a great man. It is not suitable that one so noble as I should be a servant to him. When Benedict saw by experience the pride that arose in this monk, he called to another monk and asked him to hold the candle. And afterwards said to the young man, Bless thy heart, brother. Bless it. God forgive you. Now you shall serve me no more. Go into your cloister and rest. There was a king of the Goths named Gallus who cruelly tormented Christian men. Whenever he found clergy or monks, he killed them. One day he tormented a villager for want of the villager's property. When the villager saw that Gallus would take all he owned, he gave it to Benedict. Then Gallus bound him with the reins of his bridle and drove him until they came to the Abbey of Benedict and commanded, Show me this Benedict. Approaching the monastery, they saw Benedict standing before the gate alone, reading a book. The villager said, Look, there is Benedict that you demanded to see. Gallus looked on the monk cruelly and said to Benedict, 
Arise and deliver to me the goods of this villager, which I know you have. When Benedict heard, he lifted up his eyes and saw the villager before him, and suddenly his arms were unbound. He stood before the tyrant free and without fear. Gallus then fell down at the feet of Benedict and asked for his prayers. During all of this, Benedict never stopped reading, but called his monks and commanded that his food should be brought to him, and the monks did so, and after he ate, took it away. Then Benedict admonished the tyrant and said to him that he should leave his cruelty and his wildness. Gallus departed and never again demanded of villagers their property. Once a great famine was in the lands around the abbey. Many people died from hunger. All of the bread of the abbey went bad, and there was left only five loaves for all the convent. When Benedict saw that the monks were concerned about food, he gently warned them that they should have their hearts on God, and said to them, Why are you so worried about bread? If you have none today, you shall have it tomorrow. In the morning they found at their gate four bushels of grain, which were certainly sent from God, for no man knew from where they had come. When the monks saw, they thanked God, and learned that they should not doubt the abundance of poverty. Benedict sent his monks to build another abbey. He said that on a certain day he would come and see them and show them what they should do. The night that he said he would arrive, he appeared to the monks and showed to them all the places where they should build, but they didn't believe the vision and supposed it had been a dream. When Benedict did not arrive, they returned to him and said, Fair father, we waited for you, but you never arrived as you promised. Benedict answered, what is that you say? Remember, I appeared to you that night, I promised, and gave you direction. Go and do as I instructed you in the vision. There were two nuns who were of noble lineage. They were quite talkative and unable to restrain their tongues. When this was told to Benedict, he sent them word that they should better keep the silence and to watch their tongues, or he would curse them but they would not give up their ways, and soon after they died and were buried in the church. At the end of the Mass, the deacon said that they were accursed and should go out of the church. The nurse that had cared for them, and who had made offerings for them every day, saw, after the deacon said this, the two nuns come out of their sepulchres and leave the church. When Benedict heard this, he made offerings for them himself and absolved them. After that time, their ghosts were never seen again. There was a monk who went to visit his parents, without permission and blessing of his abbot, and the day after he came to his parents, he died. When he was buried, the earth cast him out. He was buried again, and again the earth pushed out his corpse. His parents then came to Benedict and told him how the earth rejected the body, and asked that Benedict would bless the corpse. Benedict took the blessed sacrament and set it on the breast of the corpse. He was buried a third and final time, and remained buried from that time on. There was another monk that could not abide the monastery rules, 
and asked Benedict angrily to let him go. As soon as he had left the abbey, he saw a dragon waiting with open mouth. When he saw the beast, he thought it would eat him and cried out, Come and help me, for this dragon will devour me. The other monks came running, but they saw no dragon. They brought the monk who left back, trembling and sighing. He then promised that he would never again depart from the abbey. In a time of another great famine, all that Benedict had he gave to the poor, until there was no more in the abbey but a little oil. He commanded that this oil was to be given to a poor man. The cellarer understood him well, but he did not give away the oil because there was nothing else to eat in the convent. When Benedict became aware of this, he threw the glass vessel of oil out of the window. It fell down to the stones below, but it did not break. He admonished the cellarer for disobedience and for the little faith that he had in God. Afterward, a barrel that had been empty previously was found so full of oil that it ran over the sides. On another day, Benedict went to visit his sister, named Scholastica, and as they sat together, she asked her brother to stay the night, but he would not agree to this and said that he could not live out of his cloister. When she saw that he would not stay, she bowed her head and prayed. Soon the sky became very dark, and it began to storm with thunder and lightning, and a heavy rain fell down so that Benedict could not leave. And as his sister wept from her eyes, so the rain and storm came down from the skies. Then Benedict said to her, Almighty God forgive you for what you have done, for you have prevented me from leaving. Scholastica said, Fair brother, God is more courteous than you, for you would not accept my prayer, but God has heard me. Now go if you can. Benedict stayed there all night, speaking of God, without sleeping, until they were both eased. In the morning, Benedict went to his abbey, and on the third day he lifted up his eyes to heaven and saw the soul of his sister go up into heaven in the likeness of a dove. He had her body brought to his abbey and buried in the tomb which he had made for himself. One night, as Benedict was in prayer at his window, he saw the soul of St. Germain go up into heaven and give off a light that illuminated all the darkness of the world. After this, he knew that the soul of St. Germain had passed. When the time came that Benedict himself would die, he told his monks six days beforehand and made up his grave. After that, a fever came over Benedict, and on the sixth day, he had himself brought to the church and there received the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And afterward, lifting his hands up to heaven, he gave his soul to God. St. Benedict died standing with his arms raised, supported by his fellow monks. That same hour, two monks were shown a vision. They saw a path to heaven issuing from Benedict's cell. It was covered with cloths and mantles of gold and full of bright torches which illuminated the entire sky. There was a man in a fine habit standing on the path. The monks asked what the path was, and he answered that it was the way by which Benedict went up to heaven. Then Benedict's body was buried in the oratory that he had made in honor of St. John, 
Let us pray devoutly to St. Benedict that he may pray to the Lord for us and that we may have the grace after this life to come to everlasting bliss in heaven. St. Benedict died March 21st in the year 547. He is the patron saint against fevers, gallstones, inflammatory diseases, kidney disease, nettle rash, poison, temptations, and witchcraft. He is the patron saint of architects, the dying, cavers, monks, those in religious orders, students, servants who have broken their master's belongings, spelunkers, agricultural workers, civil engineers, coppersmiths, farmers, Europe, many towns and cities, Benedictines, and other religious orders and organizations. St. Benedict is perhaps best known for his Rule of St. Benedict, a set of instructions for his monks to follow. Many religious communities throughout the Middle Ages adopted Benedict's rule. Many consider St. Benedict the founder of Western monasticism. St. Benedict wrote the rule in the year 516. It is comprised of 73 short chapters. The rule instructs both on how to live a Christ-centered life as well as how to run a monastery. The St. Benedict Medal is a popular Catholic sacramental. No one is quite sure when the original St. Benedict medal was struck. It shows an image of St. Benedict on one side, a cross on the other, and a series of Latin phrases and initials on both. For many years, the meaning of the initials was lost, but in the year 1647, a manuscript dating from 1415 was found in Bavaria, which gave a description of the letters. The St. Benedict medal as we know it today was struck in 1880, under the supervision of the monks of Monte Cassino. The front of the medal bears an image of St. Benedict, holding a cross in his right hand and his rule in his left. To the right of the saint is a poisoned cup, broken when he made the sign of the cross over it, and to his left is the raven about to carry away the poisoned bread. Above the cross and the raven are Latin words translating to the cross of our Holy Father Benedict. Encircling the image on the outer edge of the medal is another Latin phrase translated as May we be strengthened by his presence at the hour of our death. Below Benedict is an abbreviation and Roman numeral signifying From Holy Monte Cassino, 1880. On the back of the medal is a large cross. In the cross are the initials from a Latin prayer which reads May the Holy Cross be my light. May the dragon never be my guide. In each corner of the cross are letters C-S-P-B, initials of another Latin phrase translated as the cross of our Holy Father, Benedict. Above the cross is the word Pax, peace, and around the outer edge are another series of initials from another Latin phrase translated as Begone, Satan, never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. Quoting from St. Benedict Center's website, The medal is a prayer of exorcism against Satan, a prayer for strength in time of temptation, 
a prayer for peace among ourselves and among the nations of the world, a prayer that the cross of Christ be our light and guide, a prayer of firm rejection of all that is evil, a prayer of petition that we may, with Christian courage, walk in God's ways with the gospel as our guide, as St. Benedict urges us. The sources for this show, including the news segment, can be found in the show notes for this episode at theflowerpath.com. News writers for The Flower Path are patrons and friends of the show, Sarah and Kevin. Please like and subscribe to The Flower Path wherever you are listening. If you are inclined to leave a nice review, that will help as well. The Flower Path is on YouTube, so please subscribe to our channel there. You can find it by going to youtube.com slash at sign the flowered path 6395 i don't know why they put those numbers after the name but i suppose that's one of the mysteries of youtube and no matter where you listen if you like what you hear please share the episodes with friends and on social media you can find the flowered path on facebook facebook.com slash the flowered path on instagram at the flowered path and on the web at thefloweredpath.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. I know it's been a bit longer between episodes. I'm doing my best to get the research done and get new episodes out, but this is starting my busiest time of the year with appearances at conventions and various conferences for both podcasts, as well as trying to continue with the podcasting and writing my books and doing my illustrations, etc., etc., So please be patient with me. I'll get more Flower Path out as soon as possible. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Visit Arizona. Time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.